I often have to begin a message with a confession uh, because I think confession is good for the soul and if indeed it is helpful for you to recognize I don't have all the answers all the time, perhaps it will help you on your journey of faith as you seek answers. Um, I almost didn't preach this sermon today and I will tell you why. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Nicodemus, John chapter 3, and whether or not you realize that you're familiar at all with a piece of John chapter 3, you are, because in every football game and in every stadium somewhere, somebody holds up a sign that says John 3.16. Like, just having those words is going to change reality. Uh, uh, and. So Nicodemus has been uh, my straw man, my caricature, my whipping boy uh, for many years because he is a religious leader and a scholar and he's supposed to be an expert and he comes to Jesus very sneakily. In the next chapter of the Gospel of John, we get a woman, we don't even learn her name. We get to know Nicodemus's name. And we don't know the woman's name in John chapter 4 who comes to the well in the middle of the day, the brightness of the daytime and the darkness of the night. And for way too long, the church and even parts of uh, the Bible have made out darkness to be bad and whiteness, lightness to be good. That is so off base. That is so completely off base because it is out of darkness. Everything was created. Before there was light, there was nothing. It was all dark. And out of that darkness came everything. So darkness must be good. Darkness must have some origin story that's important for us. And that if we look at our lives and the way the world works, we have the shortest we've just passed earlier this year, back in December, well, earlier last year in December, the shortest day of the year, and sometime in June we'll get the longest day of the year, and there's more light, and then there's more darkness, and both are good. Both are good. When God does the creation story, he never looks at it and says, oh, look, the darkness, bad. Didn't say that. There was lightness, and there was dark. The first day, good. 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 So, I've spent all these years thinking, Nicodemus, well, look at that. He's sneaky. He's got to come and see Jesus after dark. I had all these reasons I didn't like that boy. But you know what the biggest reason is? It's the reason why most of us have somebody we caricature or straw person. We make them the straw person. And why is that? Because they're just like us. There's something about them that rubs us wrong. And you know what usually rubs us wrong about other people? Something that rubs us wrong about ourselves. We don't want to say that. We don't want to admit to ourselves self-awareness is not a big ideal in American society. Do anything you can to avoid self-awareness. Let's just be honest. Do anything you can. Wear makeup to cover whatever your age lines are. Wear clothing, uh, you know, that sucks in your guts so it doesn't look like you're different size than you really are. Any of those kinds of things. We just cover everything. Never being self-aware that... I am who I am. God made me to be me. 
My skin happens to be a sort of pinkish color that somehow we've defined as white. This is not white. Have you ever seen white? This is not it. And we use that, that whiteness, you know, starting in the 1500s to define other people as different. Prior to that, we were all the human race. And then we started being the black race, the white race, the red race, the yellow race, the brown race. We've got all these races, except there's one race, the human race. And we ought to celebrate all the colors, because God sure does. And darkness, darkness is a beautiful place to meet Jesus. It's a beautiful place. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But let me first read the story. Because the story sets the tale. Beginning in chapter 3, that's okay, that's just the marker. Chapter 3, verse 1. A certain Pharisee named Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin, came to Jesus at night. Rabbi, he said, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can perform the signs and wonders you do unless by the power of God. Jesus gave Nicodemus his answer. The truth of the matter is, unless one is born from above, one cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can an adult be born a second time? I can't go back in my mother's womb to be born again. Jesus replied, the truth of the matter is this. No one can enter God's kingdom without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the Spirit is Spirit, so don't be surprised when I tell you that you must be born from above. The wind blows where it will. You hear the sound that it makes, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can this be possible, asked Nicodemus. Jesus replied, you're a teacher of Israel and you still don't understand these matters? The truth of the matter is, we're talking about what we know, we're testifying about what we've seen, yet you don't accept our testimony. If you don't believe when I tell you about earthly things, how will you believe when I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the chosen one. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the chosen one must be lifted up, so everyone who believes in the chosen one might have eternal life. Yes, God so loved the world as to give the only begotten one, that whoever believes may not die but have eternal life. God sent the only begotten into the world not to condemn the world, but that through the only begotten the world might be saved. This is the gospel of the Lord for this morning. Praise be to God. And as I learned many, many years ago on stage, if you drop something, everyone's worried that it's dropped. So you've got to pick it up or else everyone will get caught wondering, is he going to pick that up? Did he drop it on purpose? What's going on down there? Where is that marker? I've picked it up. It's now sitting on top of my Bible. So anyone who is concerned, you can let it go. You can just let it go. So for the longest time, I thought that Nicodemus came to talk to Jesus at night because he didn't want anyone to know he was there. And the truth is, that might have been part of it. He was a religious leader. His pedigree is laid out for us right at the beginning. 
we're told Nicodemus came to see Jesus at night. And we're told two things about him. He's a Pharisee and he's a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the ruling council in Jerusalem. It makes all the rules that it can make because, after all, Judaism at this point is under the oppression of Rome. Before that, of the Greeks, and before that, all sorts of other people. It didn't really get a whole lot of time on its own after the Babylonian conquest way back 700 years before the birth of Christ. But uh, they're used to being under the thumb, but the Sanhedrin made the rules, what rules it could make. And so this man was an expert. He was a leader. He was a teacher in Israel. To be a Pharisee is to be a teacher. That was the model that Pharisees followed. Uh, we give Pharisees a bad name. You know, we have, it's very easy for us to say all oh, those Pharisees. They had all those rules. Tell me which one of you out there doesn't have a whole bunch of rules about your life. About what makes a good day, what makes a bad day. Oh, I got up five minutes late. It's a bad day. Is it really? <laughs> you got up five minutes late. It's a day. You're still breathing. You got up. <laughs> but no, it's a bad day because you're five minutes late, which means you're going to be five minutes late to make the coffee, five minutes late to make the oatmeal, five minutes late to get out, five minutes, you're, you're short, your shower's going to have to be five minutes shorter. It's probably not going to be hot enough. You're not going to have enough shampoo. Everything is going to be wrong. All because, yeah. All right. So you have rules, just like the Pharisees. And this Pharisee comes to seek Jesus under the cover of night. Now, scholars say that he came because he didn't want his friends, the other leaders, to know. But I think there may be something more to it. And that is, he needed to see with new eyes. Do you know what our primary sense is, what we build everything about in the world today? These. We think whatever we see with our eyes is reality. The truth is, our eyes don't even see the way things really are. Everything that we see in this world uh, gets filtered by the optic nerve into our brain, and our brain smooths everything out. Each one of the things that you see around you is a whole collection of molecules and atoms that don't really configure into a specific shape or a specific way of looking, except that your mind has shaped it that way. Because that's what your mind can get its mind, can wrap itself around. That's the truth of neuroscience. So if you come and talk to Jesus at night, or if you pray with your eyes closed and you try not to do any visualization, get caught up in images, because guess what? One of the earliest of the Ten Commandments is not to have any. You cannot have an image of God. Now, God broke the rule. In Jesus. God broke his own rule. If that doesn't say something about rules right there, then perhaps we ought to rethink rules. But in any case, perhaps coming at night means he might see with something other than these. He might come to see with this. He might come to hear what Jesus is really saying. One of my favorite days of the week if, if, you're, if we're being honest with each other, is Sunday. It's not just because I get to do this thing. In fact, this is one of my least favorite things to do. But it's what God called me to do, so I'm going to do it. 
But my favorite thing about most Sundays is at five o'clock in the morning, I get up. It's way before dawn, particularly in the wintertime. It's way, way, way before dawn. And at five o'clock in the morning, I come downstairs and I get a cup of coffee and I sit sometimes at my desk, sometimes at a chair and it's dark and I can't really. Now, there's you'd be surprised how much light there really is in the world, even in darkness. Now, when I, go, when I go to the West Virginia house, that's darkness. <laughs> that, that's really darkness. If I turn off all my lights, there's not much to see. <laughs> it's pitch black. But in my house, there's a light on the printer, and it flashes. And it, it's like a night light, it feels like to me. There's all this light. So then I close my eyes, so I'm really in darkness. And while I'm sitting there, I just become aware of the world around me. I have an old-fashioned ticking clock that's near my desk. And I can hear the hum below everything else of traffic because it never stops in Northern Virginia. I can hear that, I can feel it even, but I can hear that hum. I can hear the skittering of little animals outside who are out busy trying to find something. I can hear those little guys. And they oftentimes come across the roof. It's a little freaky when you hear little tiny claws <laughs> across the top of your roof. But I hear it. And uh, I'm less skittish about it now because I've been sitting at 5 o'clock in the morning on Sundays for at least the last 10 years. So I've gotten used to little skittering sounds. And I can hear the wind blow. These are all things that you just don't notice when you rely solely on your eyes. One of the things that preaching up here does on Sunday morning is I have to rely less on my eyes. And you know why I have to rely less on my eyes? Is because in order for you to see me, there are these bright lights that are shining in my eyes. So you are all, everyone who's in the room are silhouettes. People say it must be really hard when you preach to just a few, to, to a few people in the worship center and you can't see us. I can't see them. <laughs> I can see Marge a little bit. That's because she's close to me. And she's kind of got some light from that side and some light from this side. I can see Marge. But the rest of the folks are sort of silhouettes in the background. So maybe as I listen, maybe as I listen because I'm not relying only on my eyes, I might hear something in a new way. And even Jesus encourages that when he starts teaching Nicodemus. He says, Listen, you can hear the wind blowing, but you can't see where it came from. You can't see where it's going. That's what the Spirit's like. You have to be able to hear. But if you're so busy relying purely on sight, now, I'm, I'm not telling you to try driving with your eyes closed. Let's see how we can do just to hear. I, I don't think it'll go well. And your insurance will go up. So under no circumstances... Do you tell the insurance adjuster after you've driven with your eyes closed that I said to do it? Because I'm saying it again. Do not drive with your eyes closed. There we go. Disclaimer, I'll be able to play that back if, you try to, if your insurance tries to come after me. You can't drive with your eyes closed, but you can sit with your eyes closed. And you can stand, sometimes by holding on to things too, with your eyes closed. And suddenly there are little echoes that you can hear. Like right now, as I'm talking to you, I can hear my own voice, which freaks me out a little bit, echoing back to me from the room. 
Have you ever noticed how challenging it is when you hear a recording of your voice? And if you've never heard a recording of your voice, you need to try it sometime. Because when we talk, we're used to hearing the echo of our voice inside our head. We can feel the vibration. If I touch my head right now, I'm feeling the vibrations of my words. I can feel it in my body. But when you're listening to it, it's only coming to your ears. You don't know what I sound like to me because you're only hearing my voice over there. It sounds very tinny when I listen to myself. But inside of me, it's very rich and resonant. You know, it's kind of like a beautiful baritone with full sound. It's as if you ought to be drawn to my voice alone. Uh, that's what it sounds like in my head. Over on that side, it might sound completely different. You see, coming to Jesus at night in the darkness might be a gift Nicodemus gave himself because he couldn't rely on his sight. He'd have to listen more fully with his ears, feel more fully with his skin because you see, our bodies are sensory organs. Part of our spiritual life, it's not just in our head, it's not just in our heart, it's in our bodies. Our spiritual life, one of the things I miss, we don't do it here. One of the things I miss is when I was in the 80s, when, when I took a trip uh, to, a, to a conference on evangelism, uh, I went to, to Ghana in West Africa. We started in Accra, and then I, I, I went out with a guide, but I, there were several of us from the United States, but we went to learn from our African sisters and brothers, siblings, because their churches were growing. And our American churches in the 80s were starting to shrink. And we wanted to learn what our, what our siblings in Africa could teach us about what evangelism looks like, what sharing the good news looks like, because it was surely effectively working for folks there. So I was there. One of the things I got to do is, uh, is go to worship on a regular basis while I was in Ghana in a variety of places. Now, let me just tell you, the language that was spoken was, was uh, one of the tribal languages. So in a couple of churches I went to, they spoke Ga. And in another couple of, they, they spoke uh, Fante. And I'm probably not even pronouncing the languages correctly. But I didn't understand what was being said, but I felt the spirit. I felt the spirit move. And one of the ways that the spirit moved, when we gave our offering on Sunday morning, we danced. We danced to the front and we put our offering before the Lord. And our dance was part of our offering. Now I'm not a good dancer, but the rhythm spoke to this receptive organ that God gave me. And I experienced spirit in a way I had never before because I thought spirit was all up here. In a good book, in a good twist of phrase, in the right psalm, read the right way, in the right translation, whatever the right translation is. There's such a richness out there. Perhaps Nicodemus came at night so he could see in a whole nother way because he couldn't see with his eyes, but maybe he'd hear with his ears or feel it in his skin or taste it on his tongue. 
taste and see that the Lord is good. The psalmist knows we are meant to experience the whole thing. Darkness isn't bad. It's another way of knowing. Light isn't good. It's just a way of knowing. Darkness and light are good. And we need them both. We don't have to demonize one and saintize the other. Or angelize the other. Whatever it is. The opposite. They don't have to be opposites. The absence and presence of light or the absence and presence of darkness. We've spent so much energy drawing those lines when both can be so good for us. I have to recognize a lot I don't know a lot. And I have to be willing to ask for help. You know, last night my wife gave me a gift. She didn't realize it was a gift. One of the things I like, see, this is all about preferences in life. We could have a whole other sermon about that. One of my things I like is when I get up on Sunday morning is I make pour over coffee, which you boil the water and then you gently pour it over a filter and it comes out smooth and less bitter as opposed to the Keurig. Now I can use the Keurig, and we have a Keurig, but I, I like that pour over coffee. But I'm not gonna boil the water at five o'clock in the morning and try to pour it in the absolute darkness because it would end up on me. And then instead of a sermon on the Sunday morning, you'd be hearing a report about how I was in the emergency room because I poured boiling water on myself. Not a pretty picture. So she said, ask Josh. I bet you Josh will make your pour over coffee. You can go to bed now. Because it was 9 o'clock, and if I'm getting up at 5, 9 o'clock's a good time for me to go to bed. I said, I don't feel like making it tonight. She said, just ask Josh. I bet you he'd do it for you. And if he doesn't, you're no worse off. I went to Josh. He was excited to help me out. He came down and made the coffee. I don't know anything about it because it was there when I got there this morning. I didn't listen to it because I didn't hear the water boil. I fell right asleep. Went upstairs, pajamas on, brushed my teeth, gone. I don't know when Linda came to bed. I don't know when any of that happened because I was just out until 5 o'clock this morning when I found a hot, fresh thermos filled with pour-over coffee. I've had 60 ounces of coffee so far today. That is a lot of coffee, a lot of coffee. So I might be all over the place. Who knows? (laughs) The truth is Nicodemus realized he needed help. He needed some answers. Apparently, not only he, but other of the Pharisees in the Sanhedrin knew Jesus was a, was a teacher, a good person, sent from God, he says. So I wanted some answers. We know that that's what you are. So I've come to you. I need some help. Now, instead of giving him credit for asking for help, I spent a lot of time saying, oh, but he came at night. He didn't want anyone to know he came. Do you see how easy it is to discount the stories of another person because they would probably have been sneaky? You know, every time I've struggled with my faith, you know who I tell first? Not you. Why? Because I don't want you to think I'm less than an expert. Experts know all the answers. Come on. For most of the beginning of my... uh, uh, of my years as a pastor for St. James, and I'm coming up on the end of my 31st year, July 1st, I'll have been here 31 years. Most of those first years, I I didn't always admit when I didn't fully get what I was talking about. I would talk about it. I would quote other experts. 
But I might be thinking, I don't think this expert's got it right. And the experts say that Nicodemus snuck by night because he was afraid. And I think there might be more to the story. And I think night's a good thing. And I think I've shared with you why I think that it is. Because it gives us a different perspective. When the night closes in on us and we look at the world, we see it differently. Suddenly all those stars that are up there all the time are visible. They're up there right now, but we can't see them. Why? Because the sun's too daggone bright. We miss the stars. We miss the sounds. We miss everything because during the light, we have lazily come to rely solely on our eyes. When we could sharpen all of ourselves to connect more deeply with the God who loves us. Nicodemus comes at night to ask the question. Here's the last thing I'm going to say about Nicodemus, about why I don't like him. Why I haven't liked him and didn't own up to it is because when Jesus scares him, telling him he's got to be born from above, not born again, but born from above, that's how it's best translated. When Jesus tells him that, he does what I do naturally. He falls back onto what he knows. Literalism. <laughs> Literalism. The lowest level of anything is the literal meaning. And what is the literal meaning? To be born again? Let me just tell you. I love my mom. But there ain't no way I'm fitting back in her womb. Mom, it's just a fact. I'm way too big. We don't even want to talk about it. Uh, but he tries to undermine the conversation and the answer Jesus gives about being born again or being born from above, which is the better choice, by taking it literally. I can't be born again. My mom is not going to take me back in her womb. Do you see how easily we discount the answer? Because it's not the answer we wanted. Nicodemus wanted a different answer. I don't know what answer he wanted, but he didn't want that one. We are invited to be born from above. You know when I told you at the beginning of worship that part of why we do this practice thing? Because it doesn't do you a daggone bit of good if you believe everything I say and you don't do a daggone thing about it. If I tell you to love and then you go out in the neighborhood and you are just mean as all heck fire and ugly and hateful, what was the good of the words? Well, I checked my box, James. I came for my hour to church. That ought to be enough, isn't it? I'm sorry. No. 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 We need to practice. Do you pray? If you don't, you ought to think about taking it up. Jesus sure did it. Jesus invited us to do it. And not just when there's an emergency, not just when someone's cutting us off in traffic, not just when somebody we know is really sick and we've got to cut a deal with God. All the time, when things are good, when things are bad, when things are mediocre, like they are a lot of the time. We got to pray. We got to wake up. Over and over again, Jesus told us to do that. We got to practice. Nicodemus didn't want to practice what Jesus said, so he made some rules. I can't be born from above. I don't know what this spirit is you're talking about. I can't even see it. 
Well, if you can't even see or recognize things that are here on earth, how will you ever recognize things that are above? Let me tell you why we practice loving now. How would you like to go into a strange place and not know anything about what's going on? Let's imagine for a moment that heaven is a place filled with love and you've spent your whole life hating. You will feel like an alien when you show up at the dinner table in heaven. You'll say, what is all this sharing going on? I just want my own. We get to practice heaven right now, babes. Isn't that exciting? We get to love our neighbor, even the ones we don't like, even the Nicodemuses. Because what we find out is the neighbors we don't like tend to be the neighbors that are most like us, that have something that irritate us, that threaten us. It's my sense of threat. It's not the person who's threatening me. It's all about my stuff. And if I could only take the log out of my own eye, I might actually see the speck in somebody else's. But as long as I'm looking through my clouded eyes, Nicodemus is going to be a caricature. He's going to be a straw man. He's going to be the person that, thank goodness I'm not like Nicodemus. I want to be like the woman at the well. No. I'm a lot like Nicodemus. And I fall back on what feels safe to me whenever God invites me to stretch. Just like Nicodemus did. I'm thankful for Nicodemus because he reminds me to trust and to know that God will use me the way God needs to and that God will stretch me and might not always be comfortable, but I need to be willing to be stretched. And that's what I learned from Nicodemus this week. The guy I didn't want to talk about because I am Nicodemus. I am Nicodemus.